Hi, everybody. Welcome to Security Management Highlights. I'm your host, Chuck Harold. Oftentimes what we're doing, especially in a CSO role, is you're leading leaders. You know, the art of influencing and the time it takes to to really understand how you influence a broad constituency base and the different levels of those constituency bases takes a lot of work and and a lot of effort. Today we continue our special series from the ASIS Mentoring Committee, Leadership in Action, What I've Learned, my special guest, Mr. Joe Oliveris. Vice President of Global Security and Resilience at Jacobs Engineering and President of the ASIS CSO Center Advisory Council. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you, Chuck? Uh, Just great, and I'm so glad to have you on the show today, and this is going to be a really interesting discussion. Uh, But to make sure you have some street creds and people believe that you walk the walk and talk the talk, just give us a little background and share some of your past professional experience with us. No, happy to do so. So I started uh, my career back in 1988 with uh, General Dynamics, uh, an Air Force defense contractor up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, spent uh, about three years uh, with them as a security assistant, really starting from from the ground up. Uh, I worked my way into an, into an analyst role. During that time, you know, time period of the uh, you know the first Gulf War, things were changing uh, in the organization, and I was recruited by NASA at the Johnson Space Center in Houston to come and uh, lead uh, their criminal investigative program within the security organization. In addition to that, I spent my time working on uh, counterintelligence issues, physical security, investigative, executive protection, kind of good opportunity and and increasing my my operational technical security skills. So uh, gave me a a good uh, fundamental foundation and opportunity to to practice uh, my my craft. Then uh, after that, I spent seven years there, so 10 years in government and government defense. And then I spent five years in uh, security consultation and investigation. And when I moved out of the kind of the government facing space to work um, security and investigative issues for a private enterprise, basically. So got an opportunity to work um, in various vertical markets, uh, supporting industry and the oil and gas industry, transportation, finance, entertainment industry, and really gave me a broad perspective uh, from a from a security standpoint on you know understanding you know business and where uh, security value can can be brought to to those types of entities. And after five years uh, there, I. Uh, I moved over to uh, Baker Hughes, an oil field services company, to lead their global investigative program. And through that uh, time, um, you know, resulted and culminated in various different roles, uh, director of operations and ultimately uh, vice president of, uh, of security in our Western Hemisphere operations and our uh, center of excellence operations. So got to help build, you know, a program kind of the ground up uh, working uh, with our chief security officer there. And then um, over the last five years, I've been with uh, Jacobs headquartered out of Dallas as the the chief security officer and vice president of global security and resilience. Now, what set you on your path to pursue your career? Did you fall into it like I did? Uh, I wasn't expecting to be in security, and here I am. Or did you have a specific, uh, you know, path you chose? Yeah, no. Um, really, how it started was uh, I had a, um, uh, some cousins, some family members. Uh, my aunt had five boys. Those uh, boys, uh, you know, several of them were involved in law enforcement. They were kind of like the brothers I, I never had. And I looked up to looked up to them, looked at, uh, you know, the types of careers and things that they were involved with. And, uh, you know, got me got me excited about looking at this uh, area and this, uh, you know, this type of profession early on in my age. So 
I kind of got that uh, that bug early and uh, set my sights on that um, as I started uh, looking at universities and, and where I wanted to go to kind of get some formal education around this space. So it sounds like you kind of planned your career path. How, how would you say you got to where you are today then? Yeah, no, good good question, Chuck. Um, you know, I think it's it's been a, a little bit of uh, luck and a little bit planning, right? So early on, I went to a small liberal arts uh, college uh, here in Texas. Their criminal justice uh, degree with an emphasis in legal research is uh, is what I pursued and what I graduated with in my, my undergraduate. And at that time, you know, back in the kind of mid to early 80s, uh, if you went to, for a criminal justice degree, your, you know, your path and things that you were looking at were, you know, law enforcement and or corrections. But the kind of the private security side wasn't, uh, you know, probably wasn't as developed in the curriculum at university at that time. And that was introduced uh, towards the latter part of my, uh, my undergraduate degree and started taking courses there. Um, that's how I landed at General Dynamics was looking, you know, that, you know, really beginning to understand the corporations had the same kind of needs as far as protecting their people, uh, protecting the interest of their organization, uh, working abroad and those kinds of things. And uh, it got me, you know, moved to, to that particular area. I think over, you know, a period of time. And I focused very early on and on the physical security side and on the investigative side. That was, I would say, out of the 31 years that I've been involved in security, you know, at least a good half of that has been uh, working uh, complex uh, investigative matters. And, and that was core for me. But over a period of time, um, really the interest in, in getting here to the chief security officer role was beginning to understand that uh, if I wanted to get to this role, I need to start looking at security a little more broadly uh, outside of the investigative space, outside of pure counterintelligence and uh, broadening uh, my, my security understanding um, and, and getting involved in those kinds of responsibilities, as well as, uh, you know, broadening my education awareness around how business operated if I wanted to stay on the uh, on the corporate side of things and, and supporting, uh, you know, international entities and, and how they operated. So uh, a little bit of uh, luck as far as finding the, the the corporate security space. And then, yes, a little bit, uh, definitely some planning and some, uh, you know, thinking about the career and the path that I wanted to take and ultimately, you know, uh, leading to a chief security officer role. So when you discovered or chose to become awkwardly mobile, uh, what do you think helped you the most as you launch that path? Well, I, I think a, a lot of things. Certainly for me, uh, going back to pursue my master's in business administration really helped me. It helped me understand that, you know, what we're offering from a security perspective is, is certainly, uh, you know, we know it's necessary, uh, but everybody might not understand how necessary it is or understand the various ways that security can deliver value to an organization. And I try and communicate that to uh, even here in our business, there's not a piece of our business that we don't touch from operations, legal, human resources, ethics, compliance, risk, supply chain. They're just a whole host of, of, uh, of areas where security can bring value. So to me, it was really understanding you know, business, understanding the business objectives, and also beginning to, um, to understand how you articulate that value uh, from a security perspective back into a, a, you know, a corporation. And I, I do hear this a lot, and, and a lot of people talk about it, 
but it, it's you, you got to be able to execute. And uh, that was uh, really, really important, you know, uh, to understand that execution. You really have to understand how businesses uh, operate, what they're actually doing, what their intent is, where they want to grow. And the more you, you know, you did that better, it, it helped, you know, certainly me. And not only my upward mobility, but the positioning of the security organization with the leadership at a, at a different level. Uh, that certainly has been very helpful to me, Chuck. Did you have a defining moment in your career that you could talk about? Sometimes, you know, from a leadership perspective, like, you know, we, we need to we need to look at ourselves internally. Sometimes we don't see either our blind spots or we don't see our opportunities or, or maybe sometimes the capabilities that we might have within us. And, um, you know, I had a boss say, look, you know, if you want to become a chief security officer, you've got to get out of, uh, you know, your investigative remit and your counterintelligence remit. Uh, I know you love it. I know you like it. I know it's in your blood. You do great work around it, but that this role is, is more broad. And the, the quicker you realize that and the more that you continue to broaden, you know, your, your, your remit, uh, from a security profession perspective, you know, the quicker you're going to get to be a chief security officer. So that was that was very enlightening that uh, you could be really, really good at your job uh, and at your craft and what you're doing. If you want to you know, ultimately uh, reach a level of, uh, you know, leading a security organization at a, you know, a Fortune 200 company. Um, you really got to have, you know, a broad remit and broad understanding. So going from enlightenment to darkness, tell me about it, a career setback and how you dealt with it. Yeah. So one of those career setbacks was uh, um, actually, um, you know, not getting a chief security officer role, right? Younger in my career, thinking potentially I was ready. And after not being, you know, selected and going through the the initial, the good part was, you know, I was the only internal candidate from, from the organization I was at to be considered. So that was not getting the role and being close, um, coming in second <laughs> was, was not good, you know, personally. But it actually, um, it was the right thing. And um, I, I had an opportunity to really sit back and say, look, I, there's more I need to know, and there's more I need to understand, and there's more that I need to experience in order to, you know, sit in that chair. Because ultimately, that chief security officer role is a, is a chair that's supposed to be, you know, there for advice, and counsel, to be steady. You know, certainly to have the experience, understanding what what security is all about and such. And so um, you're going to be relied upon by a a lot of various constituents within an organization and and you've got to be ready. So that was a setback, but also it was, um, I think, the spark, you know, to say, hey, I can do this and uh, there's just more work I need to do. What would you say was the most important lesson you learned in your career and how did that prove to be invaluable to you? Well, I think, you know, from a career speaking, you know, career wise and, and, and strictly around, uh, you know, security profession was, you know, you got to have a bit of, of tenacity. This isn't a job uh, that is, uh, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to five. You, you, you definitely, I know myself, my team, we have the, the, the work ethic, but you've, uh, you, you've got to understand that this is a, you know, is a long game. Uh, people come to, to, to rely on you. You've got to be consistent in your, in your, in your delivery. You've got to be reliable. You know, the kinds of things that we deal with or as an organization, 
innovation are things that are typically critical to, to operations. And so they want to know that that dependability is there, um, that, that consistency to execution is there. And that's uh, that's really, really important. Now, what would you say is the greatest piece of advice you received in your career? Uh, think big. You know, I, I think that that was the, you know, again, uh, going back and, and, and maybe earlier perfecting a craft around, uh, you know, investigative capability and counterintelligence capability and really supporting organizations and, you know, how do you manage internal fraud and corruption and setting all these things up. They were all great, you know, for me, but to, 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 to think big, right, to, to really broaden your thinking around the security, its value, um, its capability, uh, its ability to be of service to, to, to an organization. Um, you know, to me, that that was the you know the biggest advice. You know, I talk to people all the time. You know, and um, you know, usually benchmark the conversation as to what they think about security and uh, what do they think it means. And, and oftentimes, it's you know, it's guards, gates, locks, and doors, or maybe it's you know, it's more than that. But they really don't understand you know the 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 kind of uh, value that we can uh, as a, as a, as a profession. And to a person can deliver into to an organization. So, definitely thinking big. Um, you know, looking at the big picture. Certainly, from a career and moving over into a leadership perspective, that was probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, uh, sound pieces of advice I got. If you could go back and rewind your life, would you have chosen this career uh, again and make the same decision? Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it at all. It's been. Uh, it, it's been a great, you know, ride. I've had an opportunity to see so many parts of, of the world um so you know opportunity to really engage with you know different people uh, different cultures be involved in solving complex uh, issues and you know and problems but also being a part of of this security community is something i wouldn't change at all so certainly i would do it all over again chuck who would you say has been the most influential person in your either life or career or both and why? Yeah, I think that, you know, to me, it all centers on life and, and we've got to have that work, by, but, you know, that work-life balance. You know, the profession is, is, is what, I, what, I, what I do, but I think when I'm, I'm gone, I don't want people to say he was a great security guy. Uh, I think the grounding that I got from my parents, so both my mother and my father, you know, both growing up uh, from, from not well-to-do families to, um, you know, going off and getting their education as they, they raise their children, you know, uh, being uh, there, being actively present in our, in our lives, myself and my sisters, and really demonstrating what hard work, what, what you can achieve by, by doing that. And, and overall, you know, by being, you know, genuine and, and being a good person, you know, those, uh, my mother and my father definitely um, are, are the folks I look up to the most and, and, you know, the ones that have really behind, been, been behind my success, no, no doubt about that. Let's switch up and talk about leadership. Define leadership for me in a personal way, not the textbook definition, but what does leadership mean to Joe Oliveras? To me, it comes down to accountability, right? You know, as a leader, you are accountable, you know, for what you say you're going to do. And whatever that is, it doesn't matter if you're what, what profession you're in, but as a leader, it really comes down to accountability. Um, and that accountability, that delivery, that ability to execute, to say what you're going to do and, and to really to be genuine, you know, around it through that genuineness, you know, builds trust. And you have to you have to have the trust not only of uh, the team around you that's supporting you or, you know, working with you and alongside of you, but uh, 
you know, the trust of your customers. Your customers need to know that that they can come to you and they, they can rely upon you and that you're going to deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Uh, there's a lot of things around, you know, certain you know, setting vision, macro planning and all these kinds of things. But to me, it's around, you know, being genuine in, in who you are in, in your relationships with people. And it's about owning uh, what you say you're going to do and that accountability. Do you think leadership skills are learned or genetic? I, I think that's uh, I think there's a little bit of both. I, I certainly think that there are leaders that are they're born with that innate ability to you know to drive change or to get everyone you know, believing in a certain mission or a certain vision and and getting people you know uh, behind it. You know, to be a leader, people have to want to follow you. And so I think that there are folks born in that, born to to be able to do that. However. I do think leadership is not something that you stand still in, right? I think it's something that you've got to be 100% active in and you have to practice it. It is, uh, you know, I don't think it's just an art. I think it's something you've got to practice and you've got to believe in and you've got to work at. Um, otherwise, you know, you're, you're going to get passed by or uh, more importantly, you're not going to have, you're not going to be in touch, you know, with, uh, with, with the team that's supporting you. You're not going to understand you know, what they're needing, what they're wanting, what their challenges are. So you've got to really, really stay active. So I, I think it's a bit of both, Chuck. When do you think you first realized that you were a leader? Now, this could be either before, after, you know, or during your actual career appointment. Maybe you learned it early on in life. Yeah, look, I, you know, I think I learned it early. From the time I was, you know, working in a restaurant to a crew leader to working at a apartment store to, you know, my first job with uh, General Dynamics and being promoted in, in six months to a you know, leadership role. Uh, you know, I think I've, I realized it early. I also realize it with it comes a lot of responsibility and then something you've really got to, you've really got to own. And I think you have to want to do this. Leadership isn't management. Um, it isn't managing a budget or these kinds of things uh, only or solely. It truly is believing, having convictions in what you're doing, wanting to do the right things. And it takes a lot of work. So I do believe I, I had it early in, in my life. And, uh, but I do think I've, I've tried, I've tried to work hard at it and continue to get better at it. Certainly if I want to stay in this game a bit longer. Leadership and management are not the same thing. That's an excellent observation. What do you wish you had known before you took your first management position? Well, from a management perspective, um, I would say I, I, I wish I would have known all the other things that go into it, right? You're typically, you know, promoted because of your technical, you know, capabilities and no one has really uh, sat down and talked to you a little bit about, or at all, about um, the overall management responsibilities. You know, things like, you know, managing a budget, things like setting an annual business plan, you know, things like, you know, how you deal with HR through personnel issues or whatever it might be. There's so much of that that, that can get in, your, you know, doesn't get in your way, but it's a part of your your management responsibilities. And Learning how to, you know, understand what's important right now uh, and what to get on and what can wait was, you know, something I would have uh, liked to learn earlier. And I think from a from a leadership perspective, what, what I wish I would have, you know, learned earlier is, you know, the focus on influencing. Because oftentimes what we're doing, especially in a CSO role, is you're leading leaders. You're leading other people who don't report to you are not part of your hierarchical chain other than those that are your subordinates or work in your organizational structure. But the rest of them are, you know, are leading legal or they're leading HR or they're leading risk or they're leading a business. And, um, you know, the art of influencing and the time it takes to, to really understand how you influence a broad constituency base 
and the different levels of those constituency bases takes a lot of work and a, and a lot of effort. And I think in order to be a good leader, leader you really have to you have to practice that because if you can't influence the organization to move along. Um, and if you rely uh, completely on legitimate authority, you're not going to be a leader very long. What would you say would be a common thing that your subordinates might say are traits or skills they would like you to either improve or sustain? Yeah, I, I you know, I think from a from a sustainment perspective, it's uh, I don't they don't do anything that I don't do. Right. I never ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do or haven't done. I think they see the work ethic. I think they see the, the support and advocating for, for what they do, giving them the autonomy to make their decisions and uh, also the ability to not just be a boss, but to be there for them, to empathize with them when it counts, when they have their challenges. You know, they have lives as well. They have the same predicaments I do in trying to manage uh, complex situations in their regions or their areas of operations and also manage the balance of a family. And so I think those are the things that they certainly, um, you know, rely upon on, you know, on me and, and would want me to continue. As far as change, as probably my pace, <laughs> slow it down, uh, <laughs> give them, you know, time to to consume and, 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 you know, digest the information and, you know, to get on side or, you know, certainly to be able to give their opinions, their opinions they know are always valued. But uh, I think it's the, you know, the pace of, of things, uh, maybe to, to adjust that a bit. Definitely. This is a good uh, place to transition into mentoring because we're talking about people that work for you and people that you lead. So the security industry yeah. is always evolving, right? It, it's changing every second. What should young upcoming professionals seeking advancement do to prepare themselves for job opportunities and promotions? It's really more competitive than it ever was in a way. It, it really is. I mean, you know, uh, again, I, I do think, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, the value of security. I think organizations are starting to see that and they're starting to see the value and the types of people that, that fill those particular roles, that they have broader capability than just uh, security. So to, to me, I think the, the biggest piece of advice I could give them is, is try it all, right? So whether you're you know, a physical person and want to try the cyber side or you're a cyber person and want to try the physical security side, whether you want to you know, purely get involved in security operations and that sort of thing, or you want to you know, spend some time on the programmatic you know, design of a security structure in an organization, try it all. That's, that's number one. Number two, I think is uh, don't worry about an org chart. Oftentimes people get hung up on uh, where I, where am I on the organizational chart or what is my, my title? What I, what I tell people that I'm mentoring is take the journey, you know, think about the journey that you want to have uh, to get to that next level. What is it that you need? Do you need international experience? Do you need more experience operationally on the ground um, to, to perfect and understand your, your security craft? Do you need time in, 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 in just overall management and how you set strategy and vision? You know, think about the journey and the experiences that you want to have and sometimes moving laterally, you know, to gain that or moving uh, physically, ge- you know, geographically outside of a, your comfort zone. Or those are, those are things that are important and things that you ought to, uh, uh, really, you know, think about as you are moving forward. So think about not the role and the title you want next, but think about the journey that you want to have in this in this profession. That that's uh, that that's what I you know try and communicate to those that I'm mentoring. 
Did you have mentors in your career when you were up and coming, and what was their impact? Yes, I, you know, I did, and I still do today. Um, you know, for 31 years of, of, of doing this, um, you know, I still have mentors, uh, men, women, uh, some in the security industry, some outside the security industry. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's twofold. Uh, they certainly, you know, are in a, in a good position to be able to help you with your blind spots, you know, things that you might not, you might not see, or you may not be wanting to see, you know, sometimes I think, a, a, you know, an important part of leadership is self, you know, self uh, reflection and self regulation, you know, to really take time with yourself, think about what you're doing and how you're doing it. Uh, are you, are, are you taking the right approach to, to that? So um, definitely have had mentors in my career and they've, they've certainly, you know, helped me. They've also pointed out opportunities and say, hey, you need to be, you need to think about this or you need to think about that. Um, and maybe something I hadn't thought about before. So um, they, they also, you know, point out those positive opportunities and give you that push to, to move to the next level. I believe that mentoring goes up and down. I can learn from my subordinates. And of course, my subordinates take knowledge from me. And I think this is critical in the security industry, especially now where new technology is something that uh, old timers like us may not have embraced early on. And it's harder for us to play catch up on them. What are your thoughts on mentoring up and down? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, up and down and all around, right? It is uh, <laughs> it is full circle uh, as, as far as mentorship. We learn, we can learn from, from everyone, right? And I think from within your profession and outside your profession, constantly, you know, one of the things as, uh, uh, as, as, as being the president of the CSO, uh, you know, center uh, is really to drive, you know, new, you know, thinking and diverse thinking, right? Diversity, inclusiveness and diversity are important because how we might think about a security issue here may not be how they think about it in the UK or Australia or India or parts of Africa or Latin America. I think we've got to be, you know, as leaders, we've got to be open-minded. We have to be willing, we have to be good consumers of information and we have to be, you know, respectful of that information that's coming into us and then figure out the best way to use it. So, no doubt, it's uh, it's full circle when it comes to, to mentorship. Do you think it's possible to have a successful career in security without a mentor? It's certainly more difficult. Yeah, I think it'd be more difficult. I, you know, I, I would almost challenge, uh, you know, in somehow, some way, whether it's formal or informal, you've probably got a mentor, right? And with the likes of, of this kind of industry, which is very collaborative, you know, once you're part of this industry, you're part of a community. There's always going to be someone there willing to help you, you know, willing to support you, willing to, you know, challenge you in a positive way. Um, so I think it'd be pretty difficult, you know, these days, even if you didn't want one, to to not come upon one or, or actually, you, you you know, when you sit back and you think about, you might say, hey, Susan really has been that informal mentor to me and I never even thought about it that way. In closing, what would you say are the biggest changes you've seen in your long security career? Well, you know, you, you, you mentioned it earlier, certainly technology is one of them, but look, that's going to happen with or without us. So we've, we've got to deal with that. We've got to understand it. I think the other thing is the speed of business, you know, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, the Internet of Things, with uh, the ability to, to communicate quickly, the, the speed and pace at which business moves is very, very fast. And as, uh, you know, security professionals and as leaders, we have to be um, adaptable and agile uh, to be able to keep up with that business. And, and I tell you, it's, it's hard. And so you've got to be able to not only from a technical capability, keep up with that, but also keep your team, you know, motivated, 
to to keep up with that pace and uh and that's and that's hard to do that means you've got to be carrying and feeding them you know often um because they're the ones that uh you know, execute. They're the one, they're the bread and butter. They're the ones that deliver. And so you got to take care of that. You got to nurture that. That's, that's, that's definitely uh, important. And I think the other thing was just the speed of information is everyone's a security expert now, right? You know, they have access to information. And, and so they're going to, they're going to challenge you around this, around that. And one of the things over time is because of that, because how businesses move, uh, how, how fast business moves, and sometimes um, you know businesses are wanting to streamline their organizations. As security professionals, we become more and more uh, you know generalist. You know, you do have your cyber experts, and you might have your counterintelligence or investigative expert, but they're being called on to to do more and more. Uh, these days. So we got to be careful that, you know, we don't water down, you know, what we do. Don't, uh, you know, and that we take real care and really practicing and, and being proficient in our craft and still having that subject matter expertise that our business will call upon one day. Um, and you've got to be prepared to, to answer the phone. What advice would you give our podcast listeners that are seeking career opportunities or entry into the in- industry? You touched it on a minute ago. Boy, there's so many levels you can come in on now. Uh, what might you tell them to uh, to start out their career? Yeah, no, I think one, be a consumer of information. Go out there. There is a look. There, are, you know, thirty thirty five thousand members in ASIS and and you know various other constituencies that you can reach out to to learn, you know, about this uh, career path. You know, go out and reach out, reach out to all of it. Right. Uh, don't be afraid to 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 you know to ask uh, you know questions and and. Uh, you know, learn about this profession, take it all in, you know, again, experience the, you know, the journey, uh, try not to get, uh, you know, don't get frustrated if you don't, you know, as you're, if you're looking across the spectrum of security and you don't find something, you know, day one that really interests you, there's a lot of other uh, things within, within security that potentially might interest you. So, you know, don't, don't get frustrated in, 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 you know, in that. So definitely, you know, you know consume it all, take the journey. I'll tell you one thing that is really, really important is your network and, you know, begin building your network because that network is going to, is going to prove, you know, dividends to you, you know, when you get yourself in, in situations or you need support. Um, in solving a you know a complex issue. Final question: What's the best advice you would give to someone who aspires to be a CSO? Well, I think you know probably the best advice is that if you're thinking about being a CSO, you need to think about why. Right? Oftentimes, again, you know, people look at it as a culmination of a security career and and reaching you know um, you know that uh, that that top level. But but reaching that level comes an awesome responsibility. And it's not one uh, for the faint of heart. It's not one, you know, if you don't have the energy, you know, to, to, to keep at it. So um, you really need to think about it because again, going back to earlier, what we talked about is being genuine and being accountable. You are going to be accountable for that delivery and you've got to be prepared to, to be able to do that. Coupled with all of that is, is keep learning. This, I, I learn every day. I'm challenged every day. And, um, you know, keep that learning hat on, uh, never feel like you've, uh, that you've got it all because tomorrow is a new day with a new challenge and the complexities of the issues that we're facing today and in, in business and just the world are, are definitely going to, uh, are going to challenge you. So got to be prepared for it. So if, if you really want to do it, you really got to own it. And if you don't want to, if you don't feel that in you, then, then don't do it. Mr. Joe Otto Veras. 
Thank you for coming on Security Management Highlights. What a fantastic interview. Uh, you've inspired me myself, although I'm a little old in my career, but I might just, uh, I might go on that CSO path. So thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate your comments and insight. Thank you for having me, Chuck. It was a real pleasure.